Hello, and welcome to the What Moves Us podcast. I'm Natalie Reyna, a dancer and mover with a master's degree in clinical psychology. Join me as I talk with ordinary people finding extraordinary healing through different types of movement. My mission is to spread the message that tuning into our body is not only accessible, but key to our mental health and healing journeys. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of What Moves Us. I'm super excited today because we have an amazing guest, Elisa, um, that we're going to get to hear all about her life and her story. Um, So Elisa, also known as Yemi Stardust, was born in Guatemala and moved to Los Angeles when she was about six years old. Upon her arrival to Los Angeles, she lived in many different areas. After she graduated from high school, she paid her way through undergrad as a 911 operator, which is amazing um, and so hard, <laughs> um, and graduated in 2009 with her, bas- with her bachelor's degree. Um, Elisa then discovered her love of pole dancing in the fall of 2012 and has never looked back. Elisa has a background working in community-oriented roles, which has translated over to the amazing advocacy work that she does on behalf of sex workers and pole dancers' rights. Elisa's an extremely hard-working individual and a proud mother of two beautiful children. She's passionate about healing herself through movement and is an encouraging presence in the pole dance community. So, Miss Elisa, welcome to What Moves Us. Thank you. Thank you so much for your kind words. That's like the best intro ever. Oh, yes, I'm so excited to have you. And before we started, I was already telling you that like this, I mean, I just was really excited to talk to you and learn more about you because I know we've like met in crossing, but really haven't like talked. So I'm excited to learn more about you. Um, you. So before we get started, is there anything that um, before you start like pole dancing or that you kind of do to like ground or center yourself if you're feeling like nervous or anything like that? Uh, yes, I actually do. Um and I actually use this just about anywhere. Uh, when I still start feeling myself getting a little too nervous or even just a little too excited or it's a little overwhelmed, I really just like quiet down and pay attention to that. Like, okay, I'm excited. Where am I excited? Where can I find the place to relax? Is it my breath? Is it my thoughts? Am I clenching my uh, fist or tightening my jaw? You know, like, I just go inside and start like trying to find where that excitement or that nervousness is coming from and just like self-soothe to move on to the next thing. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. That's so awesome. Yeah. So like a little body scan action. That's what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. For sure. Oh, that's awesome. So yeah, for anybody that's listening, if you, um, you know, that's a great tool to take with you. If you have you know, if you're feeling excited or nervous, like do pull a little Elisa and tune in to where it is and what it's feeling like. Um, yay. Cool. Thank you. So, um, I kind of touched on it in the, in the bio, but I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself and your background, um, what it was like growing up for you, just like starting with a little base like that. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so like you mentioned, I was born in Guatemala um when I was six my family moved out here just because like the climate of you know the political climate and just the social climate down there was getting a little dangerous for my family I mean in general but also for my family yes my grandfather worked for the government my father had worked for the government you know that kind of thing and so um and my parents were like growing up my mom had been socially active you know Mm -hmm. um and so we decided to move up here um, and just that in itself, you know, moving, leaving everything behind our family. My mom, she worked down there. She had a full career. She gave that up. She gave her friends. She gave everything up. And we moved up here to a country where we didn't speak the language. You know, um, I was put in school, you know, like brand new. Everything was just different, you know, um, but you know, we adjusted. This is home. I love Los Angeles. I love my totally. city. I am so loyal to my city, you know. Yes. Um, you know. And oh, yeah. Then, Big Dodgers fan, right? <laughs> right. Oh, huge you're Dodgers huge fan. Dodger. Yeah. <laughs> I swear, I get so excited when I see when you're driving downtown and you see the skyline. Like, I'm like, I oh, love my city. <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. 
Um, and then, um, unfortunately, like my dad did have issues growing up. There was addiction in our home. Uh, there was domestic violence in our home. Um, you know, and that led to a lot of like, what I like to call maybe emotional unhealth in our home, <laughs> you know, um, there might also have been like some mental health issues with my parents that that's their story. So, right. you know, um, so our, our home was, our, the bringing was a little unstable. We moved a lot, a lot, you know, like all over. Um, I ended up going to 13 different schools by the time I graduated high school, which I would just do one school a year, which is crazy. You know, yeah, when I right. thought about it, I was like, oh my gosh, and we lived all over, you know, um, and, and our comfort of living ranged from, we were very poor some summers and we were doing much better other summers, you know, mm -hmm. so uh you know it, like I said it was like I, unstable but yet it, there's always lessons in that you know um sure. I've I've learned that you know moving around is not that bad you know what I'm saying like you get new experiences right. new perspectives you know um I'm proud to say that I can walk into just about anywhere and make new friends because <laughs> I have to <laughs> you know what I'm saying like you know um right change is change is not that scary you know, mm. so that is something I'm grateful for, for, you know, my parents' instability, I guess. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah, totally. And so, and so uh, by the time I graduated high school, uh, I was accepted to Vanderbilt University, but um, my mom was very fearful. She didn't, she thought I was too naive. She was afraid that I would be halfway across the country. I feel like, you know, it, looking back, I'm like, mm you kind of like got in my way. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I think about it, her experience of having left her family and moving away. I think that's where she was coming from. And so she was like, uh, you're not moving halfway across the country by yourself at 18. Right. Um, but, but unfortunately, too, when I stayed in California, she was like, I want you to go to college, but figure it out yourself. So mm -hmm. I ended up becoming a 911 operator at a very young age with no life experience. Wow. Um, but it paid That's well. a hard job. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it, it, I, I hear a lot of people say that. And it's like, to me, it's like, once you get, you get used to your own, uh, your own heaven or your own hell, whichever way you want to see it. Like to me, I would panic working like, you know, I don't know, some other job that I'm like, how do you guys do that? You know what I'm saying? Like that's working under stress and under pressure. Once you're trained, you know, you kind of get used to it, you know, right, um, right. it is a lot of up and down emotionally throughout even just one shift, you know, it's some days you're it's very quiet, people aren't calling, everything's chill. The next thing you know, you have like three emergent calls coming at you. Um, you know, I, I can honestly say I ended up doing that because I fell in love with the job. I originally mm -hmm. I went in there thinking, I'm gonna do this for as long as I just get my degree, and then I'm gonna move on to something else. Um, it took me much longer than I expected to get my degree because life happened. Sure. And I felt, and I fell in love with the job. I really did. I was like, mm. I mean, I can honestly say like, I've heard just almost, I can't imagine a, a lot, many other life experiences that I haven't heard about, you know? Right. And it was just amazing to go into people's lives for like just a few minutes and be part of their life for just a second and hear part of their story, wow. you know? Um, I think that job, if anything, really taught me to appreciate our different journeys, you know, um, but I've heard everything from a baby taking its first breath to wow. a person taking their last breath, you know, like, I, it's, it, it was an amazing experience, and it paid well, and I was able to get through school without much student loans, so it did yeah. its job. <laughs> So it did its job. Oh my gosh. It, did wow. it. it served its purpose. <laughs> right, right. And yeah, it's cool to hear your perspective and like being in there and just for like a moment. Um, and at the same time, I'm wondering, so you had all these transitions kind of happening throughout your childhood. You come into this job that is like pretty trauma heavy. I would, that, would you mm -hmm. agree with that? Like uh, just kind yeah. of what you're hearing on, you know, on a, on an average call or. Yes. Yes. And, and, you know, like, um, here in LA, uh, you know, our first responders are like the, the, I guess the environment of first responders sometimes 
tends to be even more progressive than other parts of you know the country. But even then, at the time when I came on, there was very little emphasis on mental health support or emotional health support. Because in my personal opinion, I'm not an expert. I'm not a therapist. I'm not, I did not go to school for psychology. But my personal experience is that I think a lot of things that we label mental health are is actually emotional health issues. Mm. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like if we can heal our hearts, our minds will follow, mm. you know, instead of let's heal our mind and the heart will follow. I, I think humans are very feeling centered and we, a lot of times, you know, we try to suppress that, but it's like, no, we feel like that's, that's where we come from even much more than our, our minds. But totally. I digress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that's like, a, that's a good perspective. And I'm curious, like, so yeah, going through all those transitions, like eventually ending up, you know, in a 911 operator role, like how did you cope with all that? Like starting from when, when you were young and to when you got graduated or well, became the 911 operator and did all that. Um, yeah. How did you cope? And did you, did you see shifts in that? Like, does that make sense? <laughs> yes. Yes. I think like growing up, um, I look back now and you know when you're living through it sometimes you don't you, you don't understand what's going on but I oh think back now um you know like growing up like I you know like now having a little different perspective more life experience I look back and I was like oh my god I think by the time I was eight or ten I had anxiety like the classic sign like I think back of how I was things that happened I was like those are classic signs of anxiety in an eight-year-old you know what I'm saying that's such a young age um which explains why I, to this day, I still have a lot of anxiety. You know, I've been sure. living with it for such a long time. You know, yeah. um, uh, and and unfortunately, again, you know, it was just their own background and the things that they were going through. You know, there were there wasn't a lot of like coping strategies taught sure. in my home. You know, it was more like, um, if anything, it was just like cover everything up, put on a smile, everything is perfect, nothing that goes on in this home inside the home goes outside to the public you put on mm. a good facade you know you keep everything to yourself you know that kind of thing um and you know it's not to blame my parents I try really hard not to sound like I'm blaming my parents but I also think there was there was no abuse to the children you know there was domestic violence but it was be, you know between sure. my parents there was no physical abuse to us children right. um but there was a little bit of emotional abuse there was a little bit of um, and not intentional, you know, um, right. you know, like I, my, my mother would be the kind of parent that if she got upset at you, she wouldn't talk to you. Mm. And it's like, when you're 10, 12, 14 years old, and you are being ignored, like if you don't exist, like you're a ghost in the home, like for days, sometimes even up to a week, you know, it, it's, that is a little bit of a traumatizing and, and really like coping skills growing up, I I think I was just a mess, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. by the time I got to be an adult, it was like, I'm trying to figure out life on my own. And I really don't know how I'm going to, how I'm going to, you know, right. um, I did go to therapy for the first time when I was about 20 years old, I was all like, okay, okay let me try this, you know, like, wow. let me see what this is about, you know. Um, and I remember my mom freaking out, like, why do you need therapy? Like, it was such a bad thing. And wow. I was all like, because I was raised by you all. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you were there. I'm what are you talking family? about? <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what do you mean why I need therapy? Right. You know, <laughs> interestingly enough, I have one sister and two brothers. And out of my family, my mom has never been to therapy. Uh, my dad ended up having to go through therapy. Um okay. And then my brother did for a short while, but it, the rest of my family's like, what, what do you, what do you need that for? You know, like kind of thing. So it's been interesting where my journey has been like, I am going to try all kinds of things too. Cause I feel like we need to heal. And they're like, nah, that's what it is. What like, good. It is what it is. You're making such a big deal out of nothing okay all right <laughs> you know wow yeah yeah I'm curious if you I mean I I, you know, I know you said that you're not an expert or whatever but like you're an expert in your own family you're an expert mm -hmm. in your own relationships and dynamics is there anything 
do you think there's a reason why they're less open to therapy or less open to like seeking out healing? Um, the only thing that I could explain is like, like I said, I, I, I come from, I'm a very feeling centered person. I don't know if it's because I'm a cancer. I don't know if it's my personality. I don't know. It's because I just accepted that, you know, but I'm, I'm very feeling centered. I'm very creative focused where I think maybe my, the rest of my family isn't. And so it's like, we don't see a problem. So we're not going to fix it where I'm like, this might not be a major problem, but I want to be able to express my feelings and, and, and be able to express them in a healthy way. Do you know what I'm right. saying? Instead of like, I'm angry, so I'm going to hold it in. I'm sad, so I'm going to hide it. I'm upset, so I'm not going to tell you. I want to be able to be able like, you know what? I'm hurt in this feeling. I'm a, I'm mad in this moment, but I'm going to express it. I'm going to express it in a healthy way so that then it it's over and done with, you know? Right. Um, and, and I should add, interestingly enough, it's so funny because like, even now to this day, my family calls me the hippie parent, you know? Um, <laughs> well, I should have, you know, I, I actually, there's some more to that story. Like my sisters and my brother and I, we actually don't talk anymore. Okay. Um, we've had a little bit of a, and, and, and it's all because of all this. But right. up until then, they called me the hippie parent, you know, because okay. they're like, you're about all feelings and mushy stuff. And I'm like, my kids even going through their dad's and I divorce. They are so grounded. We've been told by teachers time and time again, like, whatever it is that you guys did, you did it great. Your kids are doing great, you know. So it's like, hmm, maybe this hippie parent mentality works. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like shifting. It's like um, intergener intergenerational, like healing, really, is what's yeah. happening there. It's like you saw what was working with your, or what was working, what wasn't working with your family, like took it upon yourself to like, look at that and be like, okay, well, so for my future children, like, this is how we're going to do this different. And exactly. that's how like healing happens through generations. So that's awesome. Yes. Wow. Yes. I And I hope, I hope so, you know, and just in case, if it doesn't, I do, people think I'm crazy, but I actually have a little savings account for my kids' therapy whenever they need it. Aww, <laughs> if I mess you, I break it, I buy it. <laughs> oh my God. I love that. That's so awesome. Oh, wow. Oh, what a, that's awesome. More people should do that. That's great. <laughs> like, Hey, you know what? My parents cost me quite a bit of money. I'm going to help you with that. <laughs> if I do something. Yeah, there you go. Wow. That's awesome. Well, I know you just love your children and I love seeing your posts about them. So it's awesome that you, that you're like being, um, like healing yourself through like working and healing with them really is kind of what it sounds like. <laughs> and really like once my son was born and I was 30 years old, like almost 30 years old when he was born, I realized that that, that like shifted the focus of like my, that was one of the shifts in my journey of like, I don't want to just heal for myself. I want to heal for this child that I chose to bring into the world. Do you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like I need to protect him because in this day, on this day, when he is born right now, he is perfect just the way he is. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like who he's going to be is just who he is. And I need to protect that. And I need to encourage him to express himself and be himself. And so for me able to be, to do that, I have to be strong enough to do that for myself. So that was, you know, one of the first shifts I had, you know, um, and then I realized in like our journey too, it's like, it's not just about me healing myself for my children. Um, as I heal, you know, like that inter, you, like we were talking intergenerational uh, healing, you know, it goes to everyone around you. You know what I'm saying? Like the relationships that I've been in, I'd like to think that in maybe some way, somehow, some of those relationships, they helped heal me and I helped heal them. And they will continue that to their next, you know, relationship and maybe pass it on to their kids. And lessons that I've taken from men that I have dated, I've used that, you know, especially having a son, like, mm, that's a new perspective. Mm, I hadn't thought about that. Let me apply this to my child, you know, to my son, because I don't have a male perspective. You know, I'm, I'm cisgender, heterosexual woman. That is how I've lived my life. So, you know, I'm saying like, there are, you know, and, and friends too, like that goes just with friends and in the poll community. And again, going back to 911 dispatching, all the people that you meet, like 
really like we all have our different stories and if we can learn from if nothing else giving each other grace mm-hmm. that in itself is healing you know what I'm saying yeah totally yes yeah I love oh my gosh I can hear your passion coming out about this and I love it because it's like yeah it's it's so true though it's like when you can like figure out what's going on with yourself like it it leaves room for other people to like show up as their full selves and then you all can like you don't take anything personally or you can teach someone something new and you're open to learning something new because when you do have those defenses up you can't always hear or receive mm-hmm. new information so um so yeah it's really it's i love hearing this through your journey um and so so when was your son born what year uh, he was 2008 okay so, so so he was born 2008 and then you found pole dancing 2009 2012 yes or 2012 sorry yeah. sorry 2000 yeah oh, you oh no 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 2009 yes okay. yes my, I, it took yeah I, I got pregnant and I was like I'm taking a break I do not want to go to class when I'm pregnant yeah. so that pushed no. my graduation even an, an extra year it was funny um, yeah but yes yeah, so he was born in 2008 uh my daughter was born in 2010 and okay. like I said when when my son was born I was all like oh there's here's this per- perfect person that I want to protect you know, um, and I, I want him to grow up to be who he's meant to be. Um, and then when my daughter was born, it was like a different perspective of like, oh my gosh, how am I going to teach this beautiful, amazing young woman to grow up and be her true self if I can't protect myself, if I can't fully express myself? So, you know, this perspective was already coming. It was already there. I already had a dance practice. Um, but in 2012, so my son was four, my daughter was two, I found pole and that took me and them because they get dragged on this journey with me, of course, <laughs> I love on it. a whole different journey. Yes. Mm-hmm. We're in this together. So it's definitely the three of us are in this together. So, <laughs> oh yes. The three best friends, the three amigos. <laughs> yes. Yes. Wow. So, so you mentioned that you had a dance practice a little bit before, mm-hmm. what kind of dancing were you doing before you found pole? Um, so I always had a passion for dance. I, you know, like every, I think every child, like, I, I mean, dancing is our basic movement. When you think about it, like children move to music and find the beat and bop and bounce and do all that long before they walk and talk. And we forget that. And then like people, as we grow older, we become self-conscious because we're not good dancers. You know, we put all these standards and it's like, I tell people all the time, like, just dance. I'm not a good dancer. I'm far from being a good dancer. But let me tell you, I love to dance, <laughs> you know, like totally. It's, it's part of our human nature. It has been in like human history, you know, forever from the beginning <laughs> of time. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, like I've always loved to dance. I always admire dance. Um, when I was a child, I asked to be put in dance classes and I really don't know if it was monetary or it was just cultural, you know, um, perspective. There was, I think it was both. It was, okay. they didn't want to spend the money on that. And, uh, my dad was very strong on like the girls go to school and they come home. No outside activities, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and let alone something like dance, you know? Right. So I was not allowed to take dance classes. Um, and then by the time my mom and my stepdad, I mean, my mom and my real dad broke up and my stepdad came into the picture. He was more like, uh, no, let the kids be kids. Let the teenagers be teens. You know, they can have a little more freedom. Um, but I didn't take up dance then. I, I thought it was too late for me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I'm like, who's going to start dancing at 16, right? Um, yeah. And it was like, but that, like, I always wanted dance I always wanted to take dance class and so when I moved out and got my very first own apartment it dawned on me like I don't have to answer to anyone I'm gonna take dance classes which looking back the fact that I thought being rebellious and my own independent person was taking a dance class just tells you a lot (laughs) I love it I love it wow so how old were you when you did your first dance class 23 Wow. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. That's so cool. And then from there, it was all like every beginner adult class that I could find. I've done ballet. I've done Broadway style. I've, you know, seen uh, dance classes, jazz, 
belly dance, Tahitian, Hawaiian. Um, I even took Zumba classes, uh, uh, Samba, um, like the African beats wow. type dance. Um, any dance class that I could find that had a beginner class for adults, I was there. Wow. You know, it was like, oh my gosh, I couldn't get enough of it. You know, wow. of course, salsa, bachata, merengue, all of them. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and uh, hip hop. Hip hop is really hard. <laughs> I really <say> that. <laughs> hip hop is really hard. Yeah. I cheated through that class so much. It's like, oh my god, this is just one. Yeah. Um, so I would choose the class and take at least a month or mm. two months worth of classes. You know, never really focusing on one. Just like really trying everything I could find. You know, just wow. Being a, I was like, I'm gonna be a lifelong dance student for the rest of my life. You know. Totally. And then here came pole. And that was it. <laughs> I was like, yes. I don't need anything else. I, I'm going to stick to pole. Wow. So. Yeah. So, so what, what was it about pole for you? Do you think like you took your first class and then like something obviously like really clicked or shifted? Like, what was it about pole for you? Um, well, actually the very first time I ever, you know, even went to a pole class, I, I went to a twerk class and it just happened to be at a pole studio. And I knew that pole dancing was the thing, but I never thought that I was like sexy enough to do that. You know mm. what I'm saying? I was like, oh, I could never do that. That's like the one dance class I can't do because I'm not sexy enough to do that, you know? Um, and so I walk into the studio um, thinking that it's going to be just like a regular dance studio because I'm walking in for a twerk class, right? Um, and it turned out it was a pole studio. And I was all like, I just remember, I still remember to this day when I walked in, I saw the, the poles. I was like, I'm here, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so I did the tour class, and halfway through the class, uh, the instructor said, okay, let's take it to the pole, and all the other people in the, in the um, workshop, they were already taking pole. I was the only brand new, had never taken a tour class, had never taken a pole class, brand new to the studio, and so she was like, oh, she's like, don't worry, I'll teach you a movie, and she taught me a fireman. Oh. And in that moment, I was obsessed. I wow. left that class, and all I could think about was the, like, oh, my God, that was so fun. Like, I spun. I spun on the pole. I wonder if I looked cute. <laughs> you know, oh, I love it. <laughs> and so, like, I then I signed up for an actual class. I went to the studio. I did not even tell my then-husband, my kid's dad. We were still married. I didn't tell him because I didn't know what kind of reaction he was going to have, right. you know. I didn't tell any of my friends. I didn't tell no one. Like, I went, like, again, it's so funny for me to think about, like, how I, like, going to a pole class was, like, the naughtiest thing I could possibly do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, (laughs) You know, in the meantime, he and I are going to, like, sex shops. Like, it's nothing because we're, like, it's healthy for our marriage. But me going to a pole class, it's so naughty. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Wow, wow, yeah. So I went in there and just fell in love. It, it was the combination of feeling like, you know, when you get into a spin, which took me forever to get into a spin, an actual like, you know, flying spin. But, you know, that feeling that you get that you're like, oh, I feel like for a second that I can fly. And mm. the sense of play, you know, um, that sometimes we forget about, you know, like pole really is play, you know, Um and yeah, like the fact that it was naughty, I love that. I love that. And and sometimes I do get sad when I hear that pole in a way sometimes gets very like washed down. Like, oh, let's call it pole sport, pole fitness. Um, it's not sexy. It's just exercise, you know. Um, and you know, everybody has a right to their journey. So I respect people that do that. But at the same time, I'm kind of like, mm, you're kind of like not allowing yourself to enjoy a little part of pole that nothing else can give us. You don't walk into a yoga class in seven inch heels. You don't get to yeah. go to Pilates wearing a bathing suit bottom and a bra. You know what I'm saying? Like there's just a little bit of freedom that pole allows us that other sports and other fitnesses don't. And it's like, you know, it's part of the whole package, you know? Right. Um, is it exercise? Yes. Anybody that has tried to invert will tell you it feels God. like you're doing 50 sit-ups or crunches or whatever it is that people do to work their abs, you know? Right, um, right. And it's definitely like, you know, creative because you're still dancing, you're still creating art, 
and it can be not, you know, like fun and sexy and, you know, play and exercise. And like I said, it's mm. all these things. So we should, you know, I, I would love for people to have that whole all-inclusive aspect of pole, not just narrow it down to like, I, it's just an art. It's just dance. It's just exercise, you know, let it be all the things it can be, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. Let it be everything that it can be all at once. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. wow. then too, like nobody walked into a pole studio, especially back in like 2009, 2010, when it first became a thing, 2012, you know, at the early stages and said, I'm here because of Chinese pole. No, we all walked in because we either saw, you know, the different movies like that uh, Demi Moore movie striptease, or we saw the old 80s you know, videos or the 2000s Yang twins, you know, sure. listening to their yes. music. That's why we walked in there. We didn't walk in there because we were like, I want to be an aerial acrobat. We didn't right. know that. We like, didn't no, have I that shake in our my language. Ass. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I want to pretend I'm a stripper. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I, I think that goes so well in the idea of play too, because it's like for a moment you can kind of like, like, be someone else like you get a whole different persona and a whole different like kind of yeah which I have questions about that for you too but before we get there so where were you kind of like in your healing journey I guess when pole came into your life um I wasn't in therapy at the time um I was in a place where I'm a mother I'm a wife I want to be a good girl um to my mom you know like I mentioned growing, like even as a child, you know, my mom got mad at you. She wouldn't talk to you. That continued throughout my life, you know, and you know, like the worst thing that I could do is like, if I said the wrong thing, if I did the wrong thing, my mom wasn't going to talk to me for a couple of days. My, I I could get kicked out of the family, you know, that kind of thing. I ended up getting kicked out of the family anyway now and I'm fine. Look, I survived. Look at that. Right. (laughs) Um, Right. So I think I was in a, in a point of my, um, healing journey where I thought I was good. You know, Mm. I'm happily married. I have this good life. You know, uh, the financial instability that I had felt as a child was not a thing. I was going to raise my kids, you know, in a home. We had bought a home, you know. um, They weren't going to move around to 13 different schools. They were going to go to the same school. You know, I had built this life and I thought it was really good. but there was like that internal like struggle, like, again, like I was like, okay, am I really truly expressing myself? Am I really who I need to be? Like, how can I, how can I teach my kids this? If like, there always was a sense of like, am I wearing a mask? Is this really what I want? You know what I'm saying? Like that kind totally. of thing. Um, at the time we were, we were happily married. Um, and a lot of people later, once we broke up, thought that it was because of pull that we broke up. Um, and it was, I guess people, I could see where people would think that that's what it was. But once, like, once I got into pole, I feel like I, because I was already pushing boundaries and I was testing okay. my own boundaries. Like, sure. then it became very comfortable to be like, well, I'm testing others' boundaries. You know what mm. I'm saying? Um, and it's like, you know, like I got, I ended up getting a lot of backlash from friends. Um, I had a friend call me up and ask me, uh, why are you doing this whole stuff? Like you're married. Uh, you should be respectable. Are you trying too hard for your husband? That was, that was her wow. way of saying my family was not in for it. They were like, wait, what? Like, why are you doing this? You know, that kind of thing. Um, especially when I started posting on social media. Uh, I remember remember my brother calling me one day and was all like uh I don't want to log on to Instagram because you remember back then Instagram was just pictures and he's all like and the first thing I see is you like with your legs all spread out and I was all like but it's a baby split (laughs) (laughs) like but I have to show what I did what I learned (laughs) are you proud of me yeah hello like why aren't you being supportive? But that I could, I could see like, yeah, no, no dude wants to see, I guess their sister like that, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, okay, okay. Don't follow me. Don't follow me. But I, I think I was a little surprised that I didn't get more support from family when, cause I was like, 
I feel so happy. I found this creative outlet. I feel really strong because that was the other thing too. Like physically, I did start gaining like a lot of strength, you know, um, that I had lost through my pregnancies and two C-sections, you know, I was was like, like, look, people, look what I can do, you know, like I can actually lift my legs up, you know, comfortably and my core muscle strength is coming back and I'm gaining muscle instead of, you know, just looking frail and thin, you know? Right. Um, and so I was seeing all these positives and people were not. And so that was kind of like, you know, um, disappointing. And, and it started bringing up a lot of questions of like, mm, so am I really living honestly? Am I, if this is what I want, but I'm getting like a lot of backlash from it, am I going to listen to them or am I going to fight for something I love? Wow. You know? Yeah. And so... Yeah. And so that kind of like just led more into further into my uh, healing journey, you know? Yeah. So I'm curious because like, obviously I I like what you said about like you were pushing boundaries in this kind of physical space, which was like helping you push boundaries like outside of that space. And I am curious, like how, how did you know to tune into yourself and not listen to what people around you were telling you that you should be doing? I think it came down to that love, that passion. Like, you know, when I was in the studio, I felt free. I felt safe. I felt expressive, you know, like, you know, I I can't, I hate to keep using the same words, but that feeling of like, you know, just complete creative expression, even when I was in class and not really like dancing or performing or anything, because I wasn't there at that point yet. I wasn't performing, but it just felt like I'm using my body to just put it out there and you know depending on the song that we dance like you know I could you know be soft and gentle or try to be a little more like I'm a bad bitch you know kind of thing you know although I don't think we use bad bitch back then but (laughs) you know know what I'm saying like there was just like I like you mentioned like you could be like I could be a different character in there and I could test like little different parts of maybe of my own personality that wasn't there because this is true you know what I'm saying like I know that I have changed in the last 10 years and it is part because of pole and partly because of my healing journey and partly because of the other experiences that I have dealt with and partly because of going back and finally like figuring out what happened in earlier years. I am a totally different person today than I was 10 years ago or before I was 23 and started dancing, you know? Right. Because right. um, even those practices helped along in my healing journey, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Wow. Uh, It's so cool to hear like your journey and your like perspective with it. So, okay. So you found, you found pole dancing and you fell in love. Can you walk us through like what you've kind of accomplished now and like really the community you're a part of You're like you run, do you run, um, okay. United Pole Artist Page. Yes. Yes. Thank you. I couldn't remember the name, but, um, I, I should have mentioned that in the beginning too. So she runs a page. I'm going to tag it in the, in the comment section, but um, can you talk a little bit about that? And it sounds like you kind of created a community maybe that like does kind of support who you are at like your truest self. And that I honestly, like the one thing I say about pole uh, that is the most amazing, it is the community, you know? Um, I remember somebody once said in the studio, how we were like this mismatched group of misfits. And I loved, you know, I love that because it was back to that idea that at the beginning, you know, like now things are a little different, but at the very beginning, you didn't take pole if you weren't curious right. about that part, you know, about the naughtiness of it. Like right. you were, I'm doing something naughty kind of thing, totally. you know? And so, but you get in there and you start talking to people and it's like, here I am, you know, like I'm just your average mom of few, you know, school age or or toddlers really they were toddlers at the time you know still um and I there was a nurse you know like a high-ranking nurse at a a, like a big hospital and she was taking classes and we had an attorney and we had a law student and we had a teacher and it was like look at all of us like we're average people like coming together and then of course you know then a lot of the instructors were definitely women who were still working at the clubs and I, you know, like now I, I would say it's 50, 50, maybe okay. more instructors than, than they were now back then it was mainly women bringing 
their club experience to teach us, you know? And so, and you did, then after a while, you started having girls who were working at the club come in to actually learn tricks or learn a little more stuff, right? And so you have this beautiful mix and everybody was like just loving on each other and supportive and, you know, like the transition of like all my non-pole friends to now like 90% of my friends are pole friends, you know? Um, And it's like become the most supportive group of people I could ever imagine. I'm talking about them showing up to my kids' performances, my son who plays baseball to his games, uh, you know, I got locked out of our my apartment one time with the kids and I had a friend come over and she, you know, like a whole friend come over and she picked us up and made sure we went to have dinner until my landlord could come and open the door Um, when they were little. And I couldn't, you know, like I had my, oh, it's like the kids are home. I have friends who would come over and be like, put them to tell us when they're in bed, I'll bring wine, you know, kind of thing. And we would just chill, you know, like, um. And even like recently, one of uh, the dancers at my home studio, she was saying like, oh my God, your kids are so grown. She was all like, I remember when they were little. She's like, they have literally grown up before my eyes. And I'm like, yeah, they were four and two. And, you know, this is our support system. This is our, you know, our group, you know. Wow. Um, and then, so like I said, like my love for the community is like probably like the biggest thing, you know. Um, I just the love that I get and receive and I can give you know I mean gosh I'm gonna cry over this one I had posted one time how I was like I really want I was missing a male hug you know I was single at the time my brothers lived far away I was still talking to them but they lived far away and I was all like I just need a male energy hug you know because mm-hmm. I'm around a lot of women you know, a lot of feminine energy, you know, even if it's male appearing, it's a lot of feminine energy. I wanted a male hug. Right. And one of my friends brought her husband over so that he could give me a hug. There was nothing sexual about it. There was nothing weird about it. She was just like, this is what you need. I got a man at home. (laughs) You know? Wow. Yeah. Like, let me bring him. Like, I got you. (laughs) And it was like kind of awkward. He's like... (laughs) I mean, I knew him, you know, and it was like, right. it was all like I've been brought to hug, <laughs> you know, um, but that's the kind of like, like just relationships we build, you know, what right. I'm like, right, we're there for each other, right? You know? Yeah, having that openness and that realness, and then like people to like support your needs and like hear them and like, yeah, to, for someone to bring their husband, like that's like that's so cool. <laughs> that's so yes, awesome. yes. It was just like you know, like an experience that you go like, wait, where did else would this happen? But here, you know. Yeah, totally. Wow, ah, that's so cool. And I think like, yeah, it's cool that you have. So it's like a page that you run, or is it? It's like a whole oh, yeah. thing. <laughs> it's it's a whole thing. So like, UPA was actually founded by Anne Marie Davies. She is one of the, like, you know, original dancers turned instructors. She, like, she, with her teaching and her performing and just her, like, just, you know, the use of the UPA page and brand, she yeah. was one of, like, the founding members to actually, like, help expand the community, you know. Um, so the UPA page has been around since the early beginning, um, you know, as pole change and the pole community change and the pole practice change you know like um they were that brand and her and you know she ended up teaming up with uh you know another dancer um Shane Evans who then they expanded the UPH brand they were doing live streams from events and competitions before everybody could go on Facebook live before you could go on YouTube live you know what I'm saying so to you know to say that they help expand the pole you know and help push it along to be what it is I'm not just exaggerating I'm not trying to build them up um they really are they were really instrumental with the UPA brand to help build our community you know and make it last this long instead of being a fad and then you know disappearing somewhere right um I was lucky enough um that I knew them both and they, uh, like, I think it was like 2017. Let's just go with 2017. Sure. Yep. <laughs> they were, cool. they, they had different, like, you know, 
people throughout the country because they couldn't be at everything at every time, right? right? And so they would hit up a couple of dancers and be like, hey, if you cover this, you know, we cover the expensive, if you go, because it's in your area, this competition, this show, this whatever, and we handle it. So we were like correspondents, I guess you yeah. could call it, freelancers. So okay. I did that. They hit me up about, you know, doing that here in LA and I did and I loved it. Um, and we helped with the campaigns that they had, you know, uh, I wrote a couple of articles for them, you know, that kind of thing, wow. right? Because it was like a website, you know, like with blog, you know, blogging articles and all that stuff, right? Um, and then in 2020, um, unfortunately, in 2019, Anne-Marie had an accident. She had to mm -hmm. stop dancing. Um, her focus by then had changed more to like, you know, stripper rights and sex worker rights. She was running a couple of other pages in the other groups. And like UPA was just one thing on top of her already full plate. Okay. And so she was all like, you know, out of all the things that I can cut out, UPA is the first one that needs to be cut out. And so she was actually going to like, just let it go. Wow. Um, and she posted that. And a friend and I, um, we were like, oh my God, like we can't let it go. You know, um, my business partner, Bree, um, who's also a dancer. She has been dancing a little longer than I have. Um, and she loved the page too. She was also mm -hmm. very like supportive of its like sexy stripper roots, you know, that kind of thing. And so we were both like, I don't want to see, I, I, I don't want to, like, we didn't want to let UPA be forgotten, you know, right. um, you know, and now, now there are bigger pages, there are other pages, there's other, you know, brands, whatever, you know, like it whole has completely expanded. And so we're like, that's part of history. Like we shouldn't just let it die. Right. And so we hit her up, we hit Amory up and we're like, hey, we'd love to take over. You know, she had other offers um, from other people and probably bigger names because both Brie and I, we're, you know, we're not pole famous, we're not pole stars, but I think she could tell that we really had a passion for the page. Um, she liked our perspective. She, mm -hmm. she felt that we would continue the support that she had built, uh, the love for the community, you know, the advocating for strippers you know sure. to have a place in poll um diversity inclusion all those things and so yeah she uh she allowed us to acquire it um and we've been running it since 2020 although like at the beginning we were running it quietly we weren't telling people that it had shifted to someone else you know right there right. was just so much going on in 2020 we were like this it doesn't need to be about us but right um after a while, we were like, you know what? We want people to know it's us because yeah. not for self-promotion or self-gratification, but it's like, look at us. We are your average pole dancer. We are just students in the studios with you. We are the chicks sitting in the, you know, in the audience cheering for you all, you know? Um, right. And so it's been such an amazing, like, work of passion, you know what I'm saying? Like, we really, really do do it because we love the community we love highlighting um other dancers uh you know we try to find new dancers not like yeah. the most famous you know in our stars we love them we love them and of course you know they're amazing and it's not to take anything away from them you know but if we can find this one video that showcases the joy of somebody getting their first invert or their first butterfly like something even that simple we want to share that you know it's right. like it, those moments are just as magical as watching somebody who's incredible 20 feet up, you know what I'm saying? So totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I hear a lot of like honoring the roots there and it's like honoring mm -hmm. the root of your own journey and like looking back mm -hmm. to your own childhood and healing like from there and then like honoring the the root that comes through um through pole dancing with like the original like sex workers and strippers and you know so that's really it's cool to hear that it's just kind of like a through line of like what you're in every aspect of your life really <laughs> absolutely and and also to like you know uh our, our backgrounds are different, our perspectives are different, you know, like, and, you know, we, you know, like, what we, you know, like, Brie might have an idea of like, you know, I really want to focus on this group of dancers, because I feel like they don't get enough attention, mm -hmm. which I might not have thought of. And I might be like, you know what, Latin American dancers need to be highlighted, let's focus on them. So 
having two different people and again you know like the beauty of the community is the different perspectives and the that diversity that makes it up you know what I'm saying yeah um so that we can you know focus on that at the same time keeping it true to our roots you know what I'm saying and continuing that work that UPA meant to do from its the very start you know Mm -hmm. but Anne-Marie and Shane and you know, all the other, you know, correspondence throughout its history and now us running it, you know, like we right. really want to continue that, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, that's so awesome. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about the, like the sex worker advocacy piece, because I think that's something that a lot of people, like, like you said, there's this perception around pole dancing, you know, that it's like, I don't know, dirty or that it's, um, not like I don't yeah you know what I I don't know if you know what I mean yeah like (laughs) there's a a certain perception that pole dancing has but it's like the fact is like it does come from strippers and it does come from that and like everybody deserves rights so can you talk a little bit about that piece absolutely like um you know like even before coming into pole like I mean we cannot say that it takes an amazing amount of confidence and vulnerability to be a stripper and sometimes we forget that you know and it's not so much of like look at my boobs look at my ass but providing something that people want entertainment companionship a little bit of attention you know what I'm saying um and even my daughter one time we were talking about like (laughs) she was little and (laughs) it was so funny because like you know we're very open in my home but I, I bring this up because like even I'm like if the child gets it why doesn't everybody get it you know we were we were talking about strippers and I was explaining what a stripper is and this and this and that and you know I did tell her I said some people like look down on strippers and she was all like why every dancer wants to get paid oh well there you go come on what (laughs) genius oh my gosh mic drop (laughs) right and I was all like okay, if a child gets it, why as adults, we switch that perspective? Yeah. Every dancer wants to get paid. Right. Simple as that, you know. Um, But also too, like, I've been very lucky from the very start of my journey, you know, to have met uh, strippers and and women working in the clubs, actively working in the clubs and sex workers, you know, like, you know, the whole scope of it, you know. Right. And actually, when we think about it, you know, like, most of us have probably done something that we were like, wait, if we look at the definition of the umbrella, you know what I'm saying? Like, right. I mean, how many of us didn't sell pictures of our feet at some point, (laughs) you know, when we were young and cute, (laughs) you know, and, and more importantly, even without getting monetary pay, like, how many times do we send that risque little photo for a text back? We're Hello. giving something <laughs> for compensation. It's not money, but it's something. It's attention. It's a text back. It's a call. It's a date. Like, yeah, it, we all do it. We all do it. You know what right. I'm saying? And so um, it's very important for me to be like, first, yes, um, there's other influences in it. Like I said, you can make it what you want, but Pole as a hobby started from the strip club. It started because the Yin Yang twins started singing about strippers and we all were like, oh my God. It started with Molly Crew made their Girls, Girls, Girls videos in the 80s from a strip club. Um, it started again, like Demi Moore in that movie Strip Tease and the other movie that's great, but I, you know, um, what's it called? Uh, the Players Club. That was right. based in a strip club. Um, you know, you, you showgirls. I mean, right. there, there was no strip holes, but it was a dancer, you know, yeah. um, and that has always been part of our culture. And so to now look down on it and for us to be like, oh, no, we don't want it to be part of it. Yes, it is. That's where it came from. We need to honor that. Um, we need to honor that, you know, a lot of the moves that we know and we love came from strip clubs, you know, right. um, and, and like I said, I've yet to meet a more vulnerable, friendly, giving group of women than strippers. You know what I'm saying? Like that perception that, I mean, are they hustlers? Yes. 
they are. These women work for their money and they can probably sweet talk you out of all your money. And that is a gift. That is a gift and a talent. You know, um, we shouldn't look down on that. Like that's their talent. Just like the rest of us have other talents, you know? Um, And, you know, like I said, I've been lucky to meet a lot of great ones. And I feel that being in a position of respectability, it is my job to also be a defender, be a supporter, be a voice, you know, like, no, I'm going to honor them. You know, yeah. they've given, they've given me a great gift. I'm going to honor that group. And just, just basic humanity. Like, again, if we give each other grace, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to look down on someone who has an addiction. You know, I'm not going to look down on somebody who is having to work three jobs and still live in the poverty lane. I'm not going to look down on a mother who has multiple children. So why should I look down on somebody who chooses this line of work? Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Like if we all give each other grace and treat each other well, everything would be so much better. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah, definitely. Yes, yes, yes. And I think like it kind of goes back to like doing your own work and like doing your own healing because like when you are good with yourself, like, whatever anybody else is doing, it doesn't matter because like they're doing what they need to do and you're doing what you need to do. So why does it matter? (laughs) Exactly. Everybody's just doing the best they can to get through this. You know what I'm saying? Whatever this is, (laughs) you know, whatever this is. Yes. You know, and yes, I will be quick. Like I said, I will be quick when somebody says like, oh, if it weren't for my morals, I'd be a stripper. It has nothing to do with morals. It has Mm -mm. everything to do with confidence and how you see yourself. It has nothing to do with morals because I can go through your phone right now and I'm going to find some sus videos and <sighs> pictures in there. Tell them, let them know. You know, <laughs> yes. you know I'm going to go through your DMs and I'm going to see you chatting with somebody's husband, boyfriend. Ooh, we're not going to talk about that. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. It's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Wow. Oh my gosh. This has been so awesome. And I, I've loved like getting to hear your perspective on everything and um, really like your, your healing, like, like you said earlier, it is expanding and it like goes into other communities and people and yeah. So it's really awesome. And I feel super honored that you like shared all this with me. So thank you. Thank you, um, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love what you're doing because I think like, that's the other thing too, from my 911 years, um, operating years, from, you know, being part of this community and getting to know people and hearing stories, like really, we all have our different stories, but we also share things in common. And I think, you know, like we all have these, you know, trauma, these family issues, these life experiences. And we really are, whether we're conscious about it or not, we're all on a healing journey. And so to be able to talk about it and share our different ways and, you know, like we mentioned before we started talking like that book, you know, the body keeps the score and how that brought a lot of attention to the idea that movement, whether it be yoga, uh, theater, acting, um, dance, all that really does help you like, yes, yes, that is part of healing. and, And I love what you're doing with this podcast. I love what you're doing with your own you know, practice in your own, having like your healing movement classes and all that, like, this is what the world needs. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's because of people like you who are willing to come on and even share their journeys and share their perspectives. And so yeah, I can't say thank you enough. And it's been really awesome to hear you. Um, And so to bring this all together, um, is there anything like final thought, like for somebody who maybe is like on their own healing journey, who's thinking about like going into pole or trying dance or whatever, um, what would you want to say to them? Um, Find your flow. I've always said that when I find my flow in the studio, I take it out with me, you know, to the rest of my life, you know, Um, and that could be through pole that could be through any type of dance that could be through yoga because we speak of yoga flows you know Pilates flow you know all that even the gym um I think more than like I am going to go into pole and it's going to heal me I'm going to go to therapy and it's going to heal me you know instead of having that focus like where can I flow in life let it come to me (laughs) you know um and I, th- I think having a more open perspective 
you know, not everything's so clear cut. So this is your diagnosis. This is your, you know, remedy. Just see where it goes and flow with it. Those are my final thoughts. (laughs) Oh, love it. Love it. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's so beautiful. Yeah. That openness, the flow, just seeing what comes to you from it. That's beautiful. Um, And then if people like what's going on for you, do you have like any shows coming up? Do you have like, you know, where can people find more about Yummy Stardust? (laughs) On Instagram. That's the easiest way to find me. And that's IG yummy underscore Stardust. Um, I do have a show coming up that I'm like very excited about. I actually, I love all the shows. I love, you know, every production that I choose to be a part of. It's usually very supportive, very community oriented, very inclusive. Um, But I do have a show March 10th coming up in Glendale. It is also available online. And the entire show, there will be vendors, there'll be raffles. All the door money we are collecting is going to... um, it will be donated to the Refugee Health Alliance, um, which is an organization that you know provides medical services to refugees both here in America and across the border. Um, and so I'm very excited to be a part of that. You know, I'll be performing, I'll be doing a fun little dance. Um, and so yeah, like I'm, I'm very excited for that. I'm very proud to be part of that. You know. Okay. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. So I'll definitely put your Instagram in the comments. Um, and then the United Pole Artists one too. I'll make sure to put that thank one you. in there. Yes, yes. Thank you. Yay. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Elisa. It was so nice like talking with you. Um, yay. If you're listening to this and you enjoyed the episode, feel free to like, and subscribe if you want to hear more, um, and be on the lookout for the next episode. Sweet. All right. Thanks everyone. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the What Moves Us podcast. Be sure to like, follow, and subscribe for more, and check out my website at reinamovement.com, R-E-I-N-A movement.com. Thank you.